need all of that for this. <laughs> I've been I've been taking this message on with trepidation. I, I spent months and months. Finally, Wesley was like, haven't you been waiting forever to read this? And it wasn't until Sean finally said, okay, you're up. And so I was forced to be up. And um, but it but it is a timely message. And um, we just had the, the fall conference. I know some of you guys missed it, but it was um, and at the conference just for the, the crossing, the, the Life Alliance Network, we were just um seeing, you know, what's what's next, God? Where are we going? And the thing that he really, throughout the entire weekend, the one theme that came up was consecration and purity, that God was really calling us as a people to this place of consecration and purity. And in that we have, he he's calling us to consecration and he's given us that word as a strategy unto what the vision that he's called us to the region. And there's a lot of prophetic of, of really shifting the region. I mean, we, we have vision for regional transformation. And I know that this house is the same for, for this area that God is calling us. And so when we're beginning to take on new levels of principalities, there's a strategy that God gives us. And one of the things is going back to the basics and beginning to operate in a biblical spirit and a, a counter spirit to what the world is beginning to perpetrate on us. Um, so this word is a timely word for this region as well. I, I felt it was very timely for our church, but I know um, the ministry that we've done in this area for, for many, many years that um, this is a word for this hour for our house because we have to get our house in order before we can begin to contend in those places, when you're when you're talking about moving principalities, these are these are bigger things than even just conquering our flesh and our homes. And and so there there he has to come and find no place in us for us to displace him. If the enemy can find a place in our heart, then then we we we're impotent as a church and we claim all these great promises of God, but because our hearts are not right and aligned with who he is, we don't have the, the authority that we claim to have. It has nothing to do with our salvation. It has nothing to do with what God's doing in our life. But I'm saying we are impotent in authority to change nations. And that's what we're after. And so in saying that, I'm going to be talking about submission, which is a very scary word. Um, and I want to start... Um, in Timothy 3.15, it says, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. And so in, in the world right now where we've seen truth has been faltering, and I want to talk about, I'm going to try, I'm kind of combining two messages because I've gone two weeks on this back home, but I'm only here one, so I'm trying to... Um, but I want to mention this because we are dangerously, dangerously close to operating in Gnosticism, which was an early, early heresy of the early church found in like the second century. And it's where they began to take spiritual experiences and they had more weight on them than the word of God and the orthodox of the faith itself. And we as a people in America are very, very close, if not already there, that we've become very Gnostic in our beliefs. And we've allowed the the, the winds of time, the experiences in our lives to rewrite the narratives of scripture and it's becoming very dangerous. And so when I'm talking about submission, I'm talking about, it, it's, 
we do find it's here. I know because I I did. I, I'm saying when I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to you from a place of like, oh, you know, we all need to submit. We've got this. I I have I have processed this. I've taken journey to get to where I am today. Um, the first time I started really looking at it seriously, it was very scary to me. But what I when when you're hearing this, what I want us to get past is. When we talk about the word, when I read the scripture, and we're going to go into that, and I'm going to read scripture, we justify because of our experiences to make the scripture more palatable. So when it, when it comes to submission, we, we come up to this thing, well, but in this scenario, and we create these things around it, and what I want to ask you today, well, I get all of the scenario, but when do we actually submit? Like, when do we actually do what the Word of God says? But let me get in, because we're going to get in deeper. So this is just the beginning. Um, so I want to go to, um, the next thing is Paul, um, Ephesians 3. And this is um, Apostle Paul's description. It says, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery for which for the ages has been hidden in God. That word administration is economia. That's the household order that you guys have been talking about. And so Paul, his job description was to come and to bring to light the household order in the church, which was a mystery that was hidden in God for the ages. Big job, big deal, a really big deal. And then I want you to see what it says. It says, hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is the scripture that I'm talking about. God wants to use the household order to make a show in the heavenlies to the regional principalities. And so this is the connection between aligning our hearts and being obedient to the household order and the victory that he wants to give us in the region. Amen? So there's a real significance in us approaching this um, in this way when we're looking at it, that it's a, it's a place of warfare. Now, in saying that, I want to go to Genesis 1 because I'm going to start... I'm starting submission with submission in the household, which is wives submit to your husbands. Um, and I'm going to read that whole scripture in a second. But before I get there, I want to go to Genesis 1 and lay this foundation. Um, 1, 26, let's start with, it says, And then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let, the, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And 27, it says, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And so this scripture is really powerful because it lays the foundation that as male and female, we are equal before God, both bearing the image of God himself. So, so men are image bearers, women are image bearers before God. Um, that's important for us to remember because there's an equality before God that, that he made us that way. We, each of us have an image to bear that looks just like God. Um, now, let's move ahead 
to two. Uh, chapter 218, it says, then the Lord said, it is not good. This is when he created woman. It says, it's not good for man, for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now this word helper has been debated for all ages. Every egalitarian seminary. I actually um, went to school at Gordon Conwell, which was an egalitarian seminary. Egalitarianism only means that there's this equality, but it's an equality that actually steps outside of the idea of roles for men and women. That's what people don't like. We don't like the idea of roles right now because of our the, the nature of our world going on, which actually goes back to the beginning because when after the fall, part of the curse is the desire. It says that women, the, the woman would desire man. That word is, is a desire to have control over him. And so we're seeing this sort of Jezebelic thing that's been unleashed in our nation. This word right here, though, helper, it's the word azer. And the only other time it's used in the Bible is in reference to God bringing aid to a nation. I want you to think about that. The only other time the word helper is used in the Bible is God himself bringing aid to a nation. And that is the word that he used to define woman is to be a helper, to bring aid to a nation. So what you see here is you see that the power that rests and resides within the feminine is a nuclear power. It's a very powerful force. It's likened unto God himself aiding a nation. That's like very, very powerful. Um, and the way that God sort of the framework that I got is that it's like it's it's like a nuclear power, and so we're like a Chernobyl, right? We are nuclear power, but what happened when the framework around Chernobyl fell apart? Does anybody know? Radiation went everywhere, it, destruction ensued, and it's still destroyed today. I mean, even today. So in the same way, God has created this pow nuclear power within the feminine that must have a framework to contain it. And that is why you, you see this, this idea of the framework of roles, because he's created masculine to create the framework around the feminine that causes it to do what it's supposed to do without destroying everything around it. And if we look at our culture today, if we look at Maine today, we've seen the destruction of femininity, the destructive force of the feminine being unrestrained. We've cast off restraint. We've demanded our own rights. And because of that, we have, we have literally annihilated the masculine. We've emasculated the men around us and demanded that they become feminine. And we've seen this, this force in our culture, and we're seeing it fall apart before our eyes. Right? Amen? Um, so in saying that, I'm trying to make this more palatable for us <laughs> without skirting truth. I'm not trying to justify because I'm saying um, I want to cast vision for, for what God has set up and that it is powerful. And as scary as it is, if we will be obedient, we release a supernatural power. And that's when I was just talking about, about the finances. In the same way, when we align ourselves into what God has said, there is something that supernatural happens. When you do what the word says, guys, our whole goal as Christians is not to, to live a religious lifestyle. It's to live in the supernatural and see the miracles of heaven on the earth to establish the kingdom um, among us. And in order to do that, it's a supernatural kingdom. So we have to walk into that place of obedience. Um, now let's go to Ephesians and read the scripture that we all hate. 
Um, so it starts, it's Ephesians 5, it says, 22, it says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. And then it goes on, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water of the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or such, any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then it goes, it goes on. So um, so here we go. So in this word, subject, submission, it, it means just that. It means um, affirming and honoring their authority. That's what it looks like. If you want to know what does it mean to submit, because it, it, it is, a, and I'm saying I've looked at it. I know every woman in the household, when you look at this, you're like, you just kind of cringe when, when you read that scripture. It feels so uncomfortable. But what it actually means is to affirm their leadership. And this is important we get this because this is only, we're gonna talk about household. Right now we're talking about husbands and wives, but it's the same word that's used for the order of the household of faith. It's, it's the, same, the, the same submission to God for salvation. It's, it's the same type of submission. We, he's asked us to come and, and it's a subordination and it's a lifting up the leadership and affirming it in your midst. Now, that sounds easy, but let me ask you this question. Do we affirm the leadership of our husbands in the home? Or, and let me, let me make it a little more personal. I'm going to go a little bit. Um, he's, he's been required to lead the house, and that really means that to lead as a leader. Like if you're in the military, the general leads, right? And so in the same way, the husband's called to lead in that way. Um, and so as, as women, we're called to honor that authority, to affirm it. So we're, we're constantly allowing it, it to exist. And so when he does something, and I'm not saying, I, when I'm saying this, I want you to get the heart of what God's saying here, and we could, because we need to understand the idea of submission, but I don't want to... Um, create these rigid lines that everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, she's like some crazy fundamentalist, okay? There's a heart of the matter here that God is at, but is, would, would your husband be allowed to make, a, be made, to make a decision without you? And do you, are you feeling like he's highly valuing your opinion or does he need to get permission from you? And this is a big question because I would venture to say, most, most of us, and I know for me, I mean, I know God's been challenging me, so I'm in a different place right today, but I'm saying I can tell you that I expected permission. Um, I shared this story. We had this guy that lived with us. This really, um, he was new in the faith. He was like 36 years old, and um, we had him come, and we were discipling, discipling him for a year. And while he was living there, he used to, like, come up, and he was... Um, he was a bit entitled, and there were a lot of situations that really showed his entitlement. Like he expected us to give him whatever he wanted or whatever. Um, but one time he came up and he asked me, um, hey, can I have some mustard? And I said, no, you can't. And he was like, 
And, and I'm saying it's no big deal, but I just said, but then I looked at him and I said, are you asking me? Because if you're asking me, then I can tell you no, and that's okay. Are you expecting it? And so there was this expectation. And in the same way, that's what we as women do to men. There's this expectation that they behave a certain way. And so, and they pay for it dearly if they don't. And this is how we've, we've dominated over our homes. And this is how we've, we've trained them to do what we want. Rather than affirming the leadership and coming into that place and letting them have the right to choose. And Jesus gave us the right to choose. We choose Jesus. We choose to love him. He hasn't come and he hasn't enforced anything on us. And in the same way, we don't come in and enforce them to have to do everything like we want it done. This is kind of a hard word. But I'm telling you, this is where we need to, we need to challenge ourselves because if we're going to begin to take on the principalities in this region, we have to learn to rule our own hearts. And part of it is allowing the nuclear power to have some framework in it so that it can be directed against the enemy in a powerful way. And right now, so far in the church for a long time, we've been directing it at the masculine and emasculating the men among us. And we have within our power to affirm their authority and to lift it up. Um, I know I was I was really challenged with this because I I I'll, I shared them I'll share it with you guys because you don't let me just share the story. Um, for a long time, I, I so I'm in this place, you know, and I I'm demanding, and and I'm saying this is intentional. I'm trying to be a good wife, you know. What I'm saying I'm not I, I wasn't trying to control my husband, right? It it's it was within my nature. It was within my own brokenness too, you know, you're afraid, you know, different things like this. There's, there's history from your past that makes you behave like you behave. I get that. Um, and so I would, um, I would always think, well, you know what, I think in, to have good communication, I'm going to tell him like how I want to be treated. And so I would, every time he would do something, I would like critique it and tell him like what he could have done better or how he could have. Um, but this was like very consistent, you know, like all the time. And then one time, the Lord really challenged me, I, and he said, you know, you need to be grateful. And, and I, it was almost like a conviction of the heart. I just fell under this such deep conviction in my heart about micromanaging his whole life and all of his decisions that he made. And all of a sudden, my heart was broken because I thought, I've spent years, like, criticizing this guy. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, this is exhausting. Like, can you imagine if you were a man and had somebody constantly coaching you and telling you how to do it right. And what ha it happened out of that is I repented and I began to be grateful and thankful. And it was like all of a sudden I had a different vision. And in each situation, I gave him the opportunity to choose me. Instead of telling him how he had to love me, I just left it and said, God, I'm just going to honor him and he gets to choose. And I'll tell you, it radically changed our marriage. Radically, radically changed it. Because there was no longer like this demand. Because I think even if he wanted to do it right, there was this grading because I was trying to control it. You know what I'm saying? So it made it no fun. Like it's not any fun to come up with cool ideas if they're telling you how you have to do them, right? Um, so... God wants us as women to be able to offer that 
to the masculine, to, to be able to honor the authority and come into that place where we're thankful and grateful to them. We see them in the eyes of faith. Um, because the other thing here is when it says, wives be subject to your husbands, it doesn't say your good husbands. And we talk about this in Encounter. When it says, honor your father and mother, it doesn't say, honor your good father and mother. It says, honor your father. When it says, submit to your husband, it doesn't have a criteria of whether he's good or not. Hopefully, he is. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying. But this is what I'm saying. The, the scripture also talks about the power of the woman to demonstrate Christ in the home, if, even if he's ungodly. And... We need to come into a place, and this is when, I, when I'm talking about supernatural lifestyle, we're beginning to live beyond how we feel. We're beginning to live um, in the upside-down kingdom, right? The kingdom of God doesn't, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. He does things very different than what we do. And we begin to operate out of the different spirit, and it begins to release supernatural power. And we share this in the encounters all the time. When we align our hearts, it opens up the gateway of heaven. But when we're trying to control and manage and protect ourselves and do all of these things, we're, take, we're, we're in control. And God's like, well, when you're done, you can come to the cross and you can hand it over and I'll do something, right? Because the cross can take care of these things. The answer is the cross for everything. It's, it's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. How do we get here? The cross. Um, okay. Let's see if I covered. Okay. So now let's go down to when it says, husbands, love your wives. Um, I want to cover this in it because obviously we don't want <laughs> the men to go home and get women. You see, you're supposed to be submitting to me. When it says to love your wives, I always think this is funny because anytime I've ever talked about this, Sean gets up and goes, and men, you have to love your wives. Like he's trying to like, oh, shoot, like I've got to like make sure that all the men are covered, you know? Um, and it's true. But the thing that I keep saying is I'm like, Sean, what does that look like? You keep reading scripture, but what does loving your wife actually look like? Because you, you read it here, but, but what does that mean? Right? Like, what does that actually mean? So I'm going to tell you a little bit. <laughs> what it actually means. It means to fend for her. Women, um, we, because of how we're made, the feminine, we do need a framework. But what we don't want, we don't want to be limited, controlled, oppressed, or seen as less than. But we want a framework that takes responsibility for our well-being that creates a safe, supportive environment for us to be able to release what's inside of us. Um, we want to be like, we want you to fend for us in every way. And an analogy is like if uh, guys like their cars, if, if you like cars, if you, whatever it is you like, but you like what you like, your hobby, and you're really into it, right? You're brushing up your car, you're making sure you, you fend for it, you make sure that it looks awesome, that it has what it needs to run well. And in the same way, that's, that's what women are looking for. They're looking to be fended for. To, to, I, I was laughing because when I was looking at this, I remember there were some times there were projects and I was like, can I be one of those projects, Sean? <laughs> can I be one of those? Um, 
But, you know, like, but I'm saying before I studied that, I mean, that's exactly what I was saying. I was like saying, would you fend for me? Can, can I like be in that? And so in the same way, how we think on whatever it is that we love as, as men, or guy, you guys love, it's not we, I'm not a man. Um, I'm saying that's what it is to fend for her. It's to think about it. You think about it all the time. You think about your passion, right? And you're thinking of new ways to do it in the same way. That's that's the place in your heart that she wants. She, We want you to, to have us in your, your thoughts and in around us. Even if you're not like for Sean, I don't care. We can be super busy. Doesn't bother me a bit, but I want to be in his thoughts. I'm like, at least text me when you wake up in the morning, even though I haven't seen you every morning for a week. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to, to have that, that connection. But this is, it's the framework that creates the ability for me to not have to operate in the masculine because the, the opposite, when I'm not fended for, I'm going to be, let's see, I have a list of Women can become hard, angry, bitter, rigid, masculine. And we've seen all of these things. We see them in our culture today. We see a very strong rigidity and masculinity and hardness and bitterness, especially towards the masculine. It's, it's very, but it's, um, but I'm saying it's in some ways it is a response. I'm, now we're throwing off restraint and daring you to restrain us, but I'm saying, whether women say, even women that say, I don't need that, they act like this, right? They show all the signs of needing containment. They need a framework around the nuclear power. And when we have that safe containment around the nuclear power, we operate in a way that's amazing. And it's not limiting. And I say that because, I, I mean, I'm an example. I mean, I'm not, because that's when we talk about submission, people are always thinking, you know, this very quiet, you know, okay, whatever. And that's what I'm, what I'm talking about. My life empowers me. I mean, I have a whole farm and ministry that I've started. Um, I lead a whole massive group of women and men in, in um, changing our region through farming and doing really cool things for Jesus. Um, we're working on a church plant. That's my, my baby. Um, so it's not a limiting thing that we're talking about. It's, it's an empowering thing that releases. Now I can go out and do what Jesus has called me to do without having to emasculate the world around me. Amen. And, and this is important because if we can get this in this household and begin to demonstrate, remember, whatever we do here is going to have a, a, a supernatural exponential power. So it's not that one plus one is two. It's one plus one is gazillions because it's supernatural fruit that goes on and on and on and, and, and expounds. So as we get this straight within our household, all of a sudden we're seeing fruit that starts springing up all over in the region because we're making a declaration to the principalities and powers of the rulership of Christ in our home. And it creates authority and power. You guys are quiet. You, you seem like this is easy. It's, it's not easy. And, okay, I'm gonna sh I want to share in um, and Philippians 2. So we've talked about in the home with men and women, and I want you to see the demonstration and the example that Jesus gave us. Here it says, have this attitude in yourselves, which also in Christ Jesus, 
who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Now, I want you to think about that because I think that's super powerful, for, especially for women, because of the fact that Jesus says, submit to your husband. Jesus himself being equal to God, he was. He was all God. But he came in the form of a bondservant. So he set the, the, the paradigm for us. He set the example of this place of humility and submission. And, and in Ephesians, it talks, it says about submitting one to another. There is a place of coming into this humility where we're honoring each other's leadership and roles around us. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 27. It says, for he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is clear that this excludes the father who put all things in, in, subje in subjection to him. And so I want you to see that it's, that's what I'm saying is Jesus, the father is separated out. Jesus is submitting himself to the father in obedience to him, which is an example to us to walk in that same obedience. Because Jesus himself did not count his godliness as he, to be a thing to be grasped. He came as a bondservant, which is the set the example for us to come into this place of humility around us. Humility in, in the church. That, that's This is the next frontier of leadership is the household of faith. Are you affirming and honoring the leadership that God's placed in front of you? Which becomes our role. And Jesus, this was really powerful when I was studying this. Um, when we're talking about roles, Jesus came as God to fulfill the role as Savior. My question is, is what if he was jealous over the Father's role? What would that look like? You know, if, if he came down, because I know that's, we become jealous over, you know, the, the other person's role. Women become jealous of the men's role. We want to be like them. What if Jesus came and was like, no, I want to be more like the father. He came as a bond slave, as a servant, so that he could come and become savior of the world. And when we read further, it says, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on. That is the power that comes with this place of submission, of, of alignment. If we will come into that place, and I want to describe to you, because if, you, if you're saying it, you're like, okay, yeah, we need to submit. Okay, I want to honor my leaders. It's not that easy. When, when I'm saying submission and subordination, I'm talking, there's this place God gives us opportunities by those that are around us. And um, one of the scriptures that, I'm, that I was reading in John, 1 John 4.20, it says, if you say you love, your your, you love God but hate your brother, you're a liar. Because how can you love what's unseen if you can't love what's in front of you? And in the same way, if we say that we're submitting to God, but we can't submit to the authorities around us, on that principle, then you would be a liar. 
Because how can you submit to something that you can't see if you can't submit to what's in front of you? Um, yeah, hold on. There was a place I was going with that. Oh, okay, yes. I wanted to talk about, so in saying that, there are times when I'm trying to digest this and be obedient to God that I don't, I don't like it, and there's a vulnerable place that you feel your, the death of your flesh. So that's what I'm talking about. I want to get to the rawness and the reality of this because it's not, it's not just some theological, theological like concept that I'm sharing, but it's a reality of aligning our hearts in a real way. And there's places that when I want something a certain way definitively, and Sean has definitely felt like he heard differently, to just have a good attitude to shut my mouth, uh, there's that you feel it. There's this vulnerable place that you you realize I I'm I'm honoring you, Lord. I'm I'm submitting here, and I don't really my flesh does not really like this. And if you haven't come to that place, I don't think you've really ever had experienced real submission. It's 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 affirming leadership. It's doing what what the uh, preferring the other person over yourself at that moment. And in the different roles of places of authority, God's called us to, to honor that, whether we totally agree or not, doesn't mean that your, your opinion is not highly valued. I know in our leadership structure, we're super collaborative. Sean's uber collaborative with everybody. But at the end of the day, we allow him to choose that leadership and to make that decision. So it's not that, that I'm not... I'm, I'm not um, saying that a, an authoritarian thing is, is good, that's not, you know, it's not, I mean, the, the demonstration is, is, is what I was saying, like fending for your wife, you know, that's the other side of that. Um, leaders should be looking out for the best. That's their job. If they're in the role that God has given them and anointed them with the authority, there's responsibility with it to be fending for those around them, looking out for their best interest, growing them in the faith. I know like with our internship, that's a huge thing that we do. We have these collaborative sessions over the, over the interns themselves and their, their strengths and weaknesses and, and where we can put them and, and where not to put them because they're going to fail in that position and we want them to win. So we're designing a whole thing personally to them to thrive. And in the same way, that's what God is asking us as leaders of any capacity to be looking out for those that you're, you're in shepherding over. But in the same way, on the other side, and this is what I was saying, when it says submit, at what point do we actually do it? That we don't make the justifications because of our past pain, because of our past hurt, because of our past story. And I am a person who is very familiar with pain and past story. I have one. I have a story that has pain involved in it. And so I'm familiar with that. But again, the cross covers those things. And so your bad church, church experience comes before the cross and there's a divine exchange. And so the pain and the disappointment of the leaders in front of you, you come and you offer them to God and he gives you a divine exchange and gives you power to submit. And now I want to make the connection here because if, if you, you look at that, but think about wives that have to, we are very acquainted with submission in that, in that way. And so 
in the same way that we have to trust God to submit, as a church person, we have to trust God to submit. Which means what? To affirm and honor the leadership, the authority that they've been given. You're affirming it. You're building it up, lifting it up, allowing them to lead. Um, as strong people, because I know Wes and I have had conversations about this a lot, um, we, we have to make intentional choices to do that. I'm saying I'm a very strong, opinionated woman. I have like a lot, I, I wield authority. I don't even realize, but I'm saying people are afraid of me. <laughs> um, but in saying that, I'm saying I have to choose. Like I could, I could control my husband very easily and I could make it look palatable. I could control him and almost you wouldn't know it because I would do it so well. No, it's true. It's true. I mean, we've been married 30 years. I, I, can, I, I can, there's a lot of things I could do. And that's the place that I'm saying that we have to, to affirm that, that you're coming into alignment with Jesus. And this is where I was saying, like, I had to come and repent in my own heart for trying to, to manipulate that and to use the, the power of the feminine to design a world that serves me. And instead, God is saying, no, submit to me and to my ways and release the masculine and affirm it and let it thrive in your midst. And, and there's a dying to self for that to happen. And in the same way, in church, it's not this authoritarian structure, but there is a place where we're affirming the authority of the leaders that are within us and getting behind the vision that God's given them, whether every little dot and tittle of it is exactly what we see. Go and have a conversation. I know for us, we love having conversations. We're saying, please, come talk to us. Very few people, most people talk to each other out in their seats and they don't come and say, hey, I'm not, you know, what did you mean by that? Or, um, but I know the leadership here would be very happy to have anybody come and have the conversation to even explain how God sh showed them. Um, and again, I'm not sharing this because anybody, there's not some issue that I'm trying to address. <laughs> I want you to know that the West didn't say, you know, come up, there's this, you know, we're not, you know, it's not the, uh, you know, don't touch God's anointed. That's not what I'm, I'm not, that is not this message, okay? I'm talking about aligning our hearts in humility to the word of God. And in a world where there's no restraint and it's all about self and, and us dominating our world and making it like we want, God is asking us to come in alignment with his word and humble our hearts and, and come and, and align ourselves with the kingdom so that we can be an example to the region of what God's going to do. And we've seen the example. Paul said, I'm, I'm here to tell you there's a household order. And if, if we operate this way, we're going to make a show. The manifold wisdom of God is going to be expressed to the region. And that is supernatural. Okay, let me see. Where am I? Oh. Romans. Let's go to Romans. So it's for, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit 
the things of the spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. That subject is submission. It's, it doesn't submit itself to the law of God. It's hostile towards it. So when we see this, this throwing off a restraint, we're actually placing ourselves in a, in a hostile place towards God. And this is, this is why I'm saying we've not had the authority. We see God heals. We've seen God do cool stuff. But I'm saying in terms of taking our culture for Jesus, seeing a transformation, we have not contended with that level of the demonic. And we've taken these words very lightly. And I, and I know I'm speaking truth because I'm, I've been in the church a long time. I've been a leader in the church a long time. And I haven't held this word up in a, in a place of a reflection and a mirror to look at my life. And when you do it, all of a sudden you, you find yourself lacking. And then you come and you say, God, I need to be transformed. And that transformation, we can say all the cool stuff up here we want. We can see prophetic visions. But until it comes into the reality of, like I said, that, that place where it hurts, I feel it. My flesh is like, ah. I want you to hear that because it's not a comfortable place. And, and in some ways, it can even be uncomfortable and, and a little bit um, anxiety around it. You know what I'm saying? If you've got fear, you're, you've got an issue trusting God in the situation. And that's because of why. What, what is that fear coming from? Your story, right? Our story and our experience that's informing our interpretation of Scripture. So we've got to come into this, this real place so that when we're up here and we're praying, it's that alignment that's going to begin to release the power of God. The consecration and purity, it, it restrains the flesh. If you don't have anything that's saying no, like you're not living for something other than yourself, your flesh isn't being restrained. But the way that God has set it up, we, we subject ourselves. We come into submission to the laws of God. And in that place, our flesh is screaming, but we're finding life and peace and fulfillment in God. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not sub subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And that's where I'm talking. We're coming into this place of living in righteousness. And, it, and it's an expounded joy. And the way that the, the, the answer to this, so I've, I've set up this whole idea that really, hopefully, if, you, if we're really looking at our own lives and hearts, there is a place of where it stings. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's, it's super uncomfortable. And, but the answer to, the, to being able to walk in and to find the grace in that is to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. Now, if we go back to uh, Ephesians... So right before, this is great, because right before he drops this bomb on wives be subject to your own husbands, just before that, 
it says, if, starting at 14, it says, for this reason, this is 5, Ephesians 5, it says, awake sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. And I'm telling you people, saints, the days are evil. That's what I'm saying. This is a word for this hour. We, we can't afford to walk in, in a nominal Gnostic relationship with the gospel. We've got to come heart to heart with the deep places of the pain that's been caused and bring it to the cross and allow God to transform us, to bring us into an alignment in his word. He's not asked us to do something that, that he's not equipped us to do. We've got to be brave and courageous to get there. Being a Christian means being brave and courageous to look at our own hearts, to look at our own flesh, to be honest with how we're really feeling. And that's where he's calling us into. He's calling us into that place. That's the wisdom of God. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and to be subject to one another in the fear of the Lord. And then it goes into wives, be subject to your own husbands. And then it gives the command of the men to, to, to love your wives even unto death. And so the answer and the grace that is set before us is this place of joy, of being filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. When we're filled with the Spirit, it's easier to operate in the things of the Spirit. I've been telling the interns this year, we have a lot of interns, a lot of pretty newly saved, like some saved just months that are in the internship. And I said, the fastest way to make you look mature, because they're obviously immature and they know that, like they're new in the faith. I said, but you want to look mature? Get filled in the Spirit. Because if you're filled with the Spirit you'll, and you just obey Jesus, all of a sudden you're doing cool things. I, was, I told one girl, because she was like, she just, you know, just trying to grow and fe feeling like she's not growing fast enough. And I'm like, do you realize that we've planted an entire regional ministry being completely immature? <laughs> I mean, if you had seen our early, like, staff meetings and, <laughs> right, where we were all, like, growing up in the faith, but we were filled with the Spirit. We were definitely filled with the Spirit. But, um, and that, and that, I'm saying that is what, that's what did everything. That's what planted Youth Storm in this region was people that weren't completely mature, young people being filled with the Spirit. And it allowed us to do things beyond our age. It allowed us to submit in ways that we couldn't. Um, and then since then, God's brought us through journey and grown us up in the faith. But at this point, we are getting ready to take on some pretty big principalities. And they've been put on notice, and we are getting ready to rock this region. And so the word of the hour is consecration and purity, which is why this word is so significant. Because it's bringing our flesh into alignment. It's creating the boundaries for our flesh. And so in our homes, it, it's, it's maturing. If you're ready, I'm, I'm starting to wind up here. And, and so um, if you have anything, too, you want to share? Okay. Um, <laughs> let me 
yeah, I don't even know what I was, I was going to say. I was just saying in our homes, yeah, well, yeah he's, just, he's just wanting us to align our homes and, and to do it in a real way so that every time we come in here for prayer, there's, there's, a, there's a connection between the reality of our flesh really being in a place where we're submitted to God in a real way. And so we've covered the home, we've covered even your individual. Because my other question is, is are you affirming the leadership of Jesus in your life every day? You know, we've talked about all these that are kind of hard, but then we think, oh, well, with Jesus, that's easy. Are you really? Are you really allowing him to make those choices that he wants you to make? Are you obeying those places? I think if we were doing it to the degree, if we were really honed in on all of this, we'd probably be seeing a level of supernatural that we've not been seeing. And so I'm hungry, guys. I'm so hungry for a move of God. I'm looking at the nation and saying, God, let me be an answer for your world today. And to do that, he's saying, okay, come and die. Right? I bid you come and die so that we will live and his power will live in us. Wow, wasn't that so good? Um, I really hope everybody heard. I'm going to re-listen myself just because there's so much truth to impact and there's you know I think need for just time to process get with Holy Spirit allow him to convict you on a real level like she's saying not just hearing a word and saying oh yeah that was good and go on just doing how you always do right but as she was ending here I when I think of principalities and coming against stuff over a region right where it's the Bible says in Ephesians 6 we don't wrestle against flesh and blood we're wrestling against strongholds, principalities in the heavenly places. You cannot do that as an orphan. And all that she's describing right now is an orphan mindset that is fighting for its own way in this world. And it comes out in all of these types of relationships. The only way that you are going to walk in true authority is when you know your identity as a son or daughter of God and you step into it and it it will be demonstrated in every relationship in your life, in your marriage, as a, as a mother, as a father, as a spouse, as a leader. You're going to walk in power, like she's saying. It's going to demonstrate from your life power and authority. When you pray, things are going to shift because you're in alignment with the Spirit. And you're not functioning out of this orphan mindset that's running around trying to protect itself. It's, you know, self-protection. You guys know I talk about this a lot in the books out there. And today, you know, today it's free. Anybody that wants a book, just take one. Because chapters one through four, it says the orphan mentality on it. Chapters one through four are speaking exactly to what Stephanie was just preaching about. There's something inside of us, and it's because of our orphan mindset, our orphan life, that we push back against authority in our life. We want to be our own independent people, and that's got to die in all of us. It has to die, and that's real, and it's painful. Like she's saying, it's not like, oh, yay, but once, once you get through it, you start to reap the fruit of that life, like you're just overflowing. Yes, I can submit. Oh, does it sting? Sure. But I know the uh, what, what it's going to produce in the region is something so much greater. Like she's saying, it's multiplied impact. 
So when I'm looking like multiplied impact, yeah, then I'm going to change the way I interact with my children. I'm going to change the way I interact in my marriage. I'm going to change the way that I interact in the church household. I am going to change, and I'm going to let that orphan die because it's not who I am. That is not who I am. The cross has redeemed us to be totally different. Like she's saying, empowered by the Holy Spirit, not on our own, empowered by the Spirit to do this and to do it well and to overflow. And once we do as a community in your life and as a, as a household here, our relationships are going to overflow. Our lives are going to overflow. And we'll be joyful because what this produces when we're walking in that, um, that independent spirit that pushes back, we're, we're drudging along. Like it's a heavy weight to carry and nobody wants that. You know, they see the, you know, they see the like, oh, this is depressing and hard and blah, 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 because that's not life-giving. That's not the spirit. And so we, we're doing it to try to, you know, control and push our way in life. But the spirit of God has joy for us as children of God in our true identity to walk it out. And so, yeah, it's hard, but you're going to have great joy. And you're going to feel the authority that you have. You're going to see the demonstration in your life, in your workplace, in your household for things to shift. I just didn't want to, to leave today without um, speaking to the men and saying the end of this, because I've talked a lot about submission. I've talked about women. I want you to know one thing. We need you. And we need you to get back in the game Regardless of what the, the culture has said, regardless, you need to come back with a tenacity of saying, God, I want to learn what this looks like, how to provide the framework that I need for the feminine around me. But it's, but it's, it's a decision that you have to make because you've been pushed on so much that it's like everybody's like tapping out. No, no guy wants to be around a, a nagging woman for a long time. And we've done that. We've done that as a culture. We've done it in our own houses. And so I want to speak to the men and say, we need you to rise up, to have tenacity, to say, God, what is it? That it what does it look like to be masculine in your image? What does that look like? Because there's a pace, place of power and authority that he wants to, to, to restore to you, to be able to walk in. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be powerful and supernatural. But I just, I'm just asking you today to make that commitment to get back in the game on every level. Like I'm saying brush off, like, you know, I'm, I'm not, because I know it's all at different places, but I'm saying there is a new place of masculine that God wants to bring you into. And he wants you to cast off the shame of brokenness from any disappointments, any places of failure in the past and bring you up to a new place in the masculine. All right, let's just take, you know, these last few minutes. Um, we're going to just stand and we're going to pray and receive this. And again, this is an on, ongoing word in our lives. It's going to have ongoing effect and we need ongoing work and reception of it. But I, I do want to just take a few minutes as we're ending here to just just have some moments between you and the Lord. What, what did he just strike you with? What was your heart struck with? And, and Give that over to him. Allow him to move in that place in your heart. He's a good God. He's a good father. And he wants to, to lift these burdens off of us and allow, empower us, empower us to live this way.
that he's designed by his spirit. So Tom's just putting on some music and we're just going to just want everybody take a moment with the Lord. It's, you don't need special prayer. If you want special prayer, like I, I need someone to agree with me for breakthrough because I am controlling and I can't help but keep controlling. Then just come walk up to any of us and we'll pray with you or whatever it might be. But you can do business with the Holy Ghost right in your seat. He's right there. He's speaking to you. Hand it over. Repent. Let go of it and let him fill you with something else. But again, we're here for prayer and, and uh, yeah, we're just going to take the next few minutes to do this. <laughs> 